Hello, hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you guys to another episode of the hit show, You Thrive Every Day. I am your host, April Bassetti, America's favorite life coach. And today we have a special guest with us. Shar, please tell us where you're from and where you're at right now. Well, I am from Atlanta, the real Atlanta, <laughs> but I live outside of Atlanta now in Monroe. Okay, how far is that from Atlanta? Um, like 15, 20 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 15, 20 minutes, up the street. <laughs> okay, so we're in Monroe. So explain to us like kind of give us a little preview of your upbringing like were you raised by your parents were they both in the same house or how how was that no um I was raised okay so when I was six months old my mother left us or my father took us I'm still not sure you know uh, stories kind of conflict or whatever but my parents were married um when I was six months old my mother she was she fell victim to the the 80s crack epidemic and she was addicted to drugs and she chose the street life over raising her children so my father had my siblings and I it was three of us and um well there are still three of us plus a couple of more um but my grandparents raised me primarily with my father being, you know, kind of in and out of the house. But I was raised by my grandparents. Okay, so did he live with you guys, or? Um, he only lived with us when he and his girlfriend fell out. Or, he, yeah, it was, it was that type of situation. He would come over whenever he was on the outs with a, a woman, whoever he was shacking up with. <laughs> That's what my grandparents called it, but yeah. Okay. So what about your mother? Was she in and out or just not there? Mm -mm. No, I never, I never knew my mother. Um, mm, okay. I met her when I was 10 years old and she passed two months after I met her from breast cancer. Oh, so wow. yeah, I, 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 I don't know what it is to have a mother. When I um, got pregnant, I didn't even know what it, what it was to be a mother, you know? So no, I, I don't have any experience or memories or anything with my mother at all I just know her name and how she looks okay <clears throat> okay so we're both of your grandparents together you had or yeah my grandparents were together my grandparents were together I think they were married for 56 years so I, I was able to see that my grandfather uh he was a, he was in the military he retired he also worked on the, for the railroad service. He retired from that. But even as an 80 something year old man, he was still working. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother and her sisters, they had a business, a beauty shop. It was called the Three Sisters Beauty Shop. I've never known her to work for anybody except for herself. So I did have, I had good role models around me. Okay. So take us through your childhood a little bit. What's going on? Okay, so my childhood, <laughs> while it was, um, there were a lot of good times, there were also a lot of hard times. I am a survivor of um, being molested 
by a family member um <clears throat> that have that went on for about three years at what age from age eight to eleven and it got got to the point where I thought i was I was pregnant um by that person when I was eleven years old, and that was the first time that I tried to commit suicide okay and so was so did it ever was it did you ever tell anybody did it come out or at that time I did not tell anyone because although my uh, grandparents were great I will be completely honest with you the family dynamics were screwed up and it was kind of one of those, well, well, we'll just brush it under the rug or, well, you're lying. Did that really happen? So, no, I didn't say anything to anyone. The, um, the only time I said something about it was to my sister, and that was maybe a couple of years ago. And I put it in my book, of course, and the backlash behind that was I should have kept my mouth closed because that person still works for the school board and I don't want to get them fired. So needless to say, I don't communicate with my family and they've chosen not to communicate with me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay. So we're this eight year old little girl and um, this is going on. What's going through your mind? Like, um, Honestly, I felt like... And I, I just told my sister this. <laughs> it's so crazy. At eight years old, the way that our, our minds do think. I, I've always known, my sister is a lesbian, and I've always known that she was a lesbian. You know how some people say, well, no, you're not born like that. I don't care what you say, okay? <laughs> when we were smaller, younger, and we were cheerleaders, she just didn't even look right in her, in her cheerleader outfit. Like, girl, what are you doing? But I felt like if it was if it didn't happen to me, then it would happen to her. And I knew she didn't like, you know, guys. So I was like, well, I would rather it happen to me than for it to happen to her. And then I knew it was wrong, but I felt like, well, if I say something after after um the years went by, I felt like, well, if I say something now, they're gonna think, oh, I let it happen because I liked it or I wanted it to happen. So I just felt like it, it was just something that it was something that I knew was wrong, but I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know who to take it to. I didn't know how they would respond. And based on the response that I got now, I'm really glad that I didn't say anything because I would have had to heal not only from that trauma of being molested, but I would have had to heal from the trauma of being accused of lying or making this up or you know, so I'm, I don't regret not saying it. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> so how was this happening? Was this individual living in the same place? Or, like, how was this going on and nobody knew that you guys were having this interaction? Well, uh, my brother and I were latchkey kids. Um, and my older sister, she was in middle school when we were in elementary school. So we would get home and he would come over. My grandmother would be working at the uh, hair salon. My granddad would be at work as well. So we were the, me and my brother were the only two home. He was playing games or maybe he went to his friend's house or something. So 
that individual just had to pull up. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So now we're 11, right? How did this come to a halt? It came to a halt because my aunt and her husband, who was doing it, got a divorce. So he wasn't in the picture anymore. He had no reason to be around it anymore. And I felt like, dang, okay, maybe I have a chance at living a normal life now. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> oh, my God. I just can't imagine, you know, um, I don't want you to relive it, but just as, you know, outsiders, who are around children that are having these experiences, um, I would like them to know like what kind of signs to look for. You know what I'm saying? Were you alienating yourself? Were you kind of depressed? I mean, how are you walking around as a human being? Okay, so yes, because in the midst of this, um, my mother did pass while this was uh, happening. And I was, I was always a very quiet child. I was always a very sensitive child. I was always withdrawn. While all the other children, like my cousins would come over for the summer, they'd be outside playing kickball or hide and seek or whatever. And I'm in the house reading a book because that's all I want to do, you know? <laughs> um, I didn't like to, I didn't like to play. I really liked just to be by myself. And I was depressed. Um... I think, I think maybe what it was to, it was paired together. They thought it was because of the loss of my mother, which it was, but it was also paired with on, but of course I did not know about what was going on. Um, I was actually diagnosed with clinical depression and I was going to a psychiatrist once a week and I was on three different medications for depression and anxiety. And how old were you at As that? As an 11-year-old. At 11. 11. Yeah. And so were you talking to the psychiatrist about your experience? Mm-mm. No. And I, I was not really talking to her that much because it seemed like the first time I opened up about her, I mean, opened up to her about... I opened up to her about um, seeing my mother's spirit, right? And of course, that freaked her out. <laughs> like it freaked everybody else out. So I was put on medicine for that as well. So it was like, well, the more I tell her, the more pills she gives me, I'm just going to stop talking to her. And that's what happened. I would just go there and see it. Are you aware of what kind of medication they had you on? Nah, mm -mm, I don't remember what it was. Did the medication help you or did it sedate you? What was... Um, honestly, honestly, I still saw my mother's spirit, so that didn't stop. And it just made me not want to do anything. Like, I remember my sister wanted me to come play and, you know, my, my grandmother saying, no, she, you know, she took her pills, let her lay down. <laughs> Oh, right. So I, okay. So I am so sorry. Like that, that, no, don't be sorry. Because, no, because like, 
you got all this other stuff going on, you know, and then you got this going on with yourself and then you got people giving you drugs <laughs> dating you you know what yeah. I'm saying so it's like the normal behavior of a child that is going through an inappropriate situation that is masked you know what I'm saying with the sedation of freaking drugs yeah so how long were you seeing a psychiatrist I saw her for a few months yeah, for a few months. And after a while, I don't know why I stopped, but my dad just stopped taking me. <laughs> but I wasn't I wasn't mad about it because I was done talking to her anyway. Right. Okay. So now we've gone to the psychiatrist. We're done with that. Did you get off the medication or did they still have you on the medication? Um, no, I just took it until it ran out and then everything just went back to well, I guess she's all right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens after that um after that oh, high school I mean middle school happened of course <laughs> middle school happened and I'm already this socially awkward person because I'm, I'm to myself all the time that's just what I like to do and I, the middle school that I went to it was hood <laughs> if I can just keep it candy it was very hood we had to go through metal detectors before we were allowed to go in the school um there were fights every day students teachers cursing each other out it was it was rough and I really felt like I did not belong um I was bullied in middle school for no reason honestly and I was so sensitive and I took everything so personally that middle school was like hell to me I hated it <laughs> I hated it so much and then I would go home oh yeah and then I would go home and have the responsibility of raising my little cousin because his mother and my cousin who's his father they weren't together his father was locked up and his mother had other children and I don't know how I ended up as a 12 year old literally raising a baby but I would go home I mean I would go to school go home and raise baby and how old was the baby one <laughs> a baby <laughs> yeah yeah okay <laughs> so now we're in middle school middle school is a living hell we go home and we have this responsibility that's put us put upon us okay and so now what's going on oh and uh oh not 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 to uh forget um my family was toxic as hell can i say hell on your show you can you can say fuck motherfucker uh, it was toxic as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, seriously, it was really, really toxic. Because we did not have, um, like I said, my grandparents, they raised me, my older sister, and my older, older brother. And because we did not have a mother, um, my aunt, I ain't gonna say she stepped in as a mother. She gave us a ride to school in high school. I'm gonna say that much. But my my grandmother, she had a my grandmother had a stroke. But this was this was back when I was ten or eleven. My grandmother had a stroke. All of this was happening at the same time. And 
my two aunts came over and they cursed me and my, my siblings out. And they told us that we were the reason that she had a stroke. Um, my other aunt, this was probably, this was when I was in high, I'm um, sorry, middle school. She and my older sister got into an argument and she stood up and looked at all three of us and said, your own mama didn't love you. You think I care anything about you? So it was already a lot for me because personally being abandoned at six months, I already felt like, damn, am I, am I that unlovable? Right. And then to hear an adult who was supposed to care for you say that, it was like, wow, maybe I am. Maybe we are. Maybe we are like the shit stains of the family, right? <laughs> so that's how I felt for a long time. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what goes on in high school? Because, I mean, that's a lot. I mean, we're, you're a woman, first of all, and... We got puberty going on. Um, the innocence was taken, and you know what? You know we started looking at little boys a certain way. The boys are looking at you. You know this is high school. What's going on now? High school. High school was okay. High school was okay, except for the fact that that toxic aunt aunt worked at that high school which is why we rode with her for a short period of time but she'll she'll have you believe she took us to school every single day it was maybe a semester but okay but yeah she worked at that school high school um ninth grade i really was i really didn't have any sense of identity um and it was probably because well, shit, I, I just didn't know who I was or what I was supposed to do. Never, I never sat down and really, or no one ever helped me sit down and really kind of find myself or figure out who I am, what, what are my interests, what do I like. So my freshman year in high school, I was a follower. I was fake. <laughs> I was pretending to be like the other people that I was looking at. Tenth grade, I was like, bro, I don't even like these people. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just gonna be myself so 10th grade I did um I started to be more comfortable with myself I didn't start dating until I don't know if it was 10th or 11th grade but um I was on the dance team and I met this this guy who went to the school we started dating but we didn't like go anywhere because I just didn't feel comfortable going anywhere with him but he would come and watch me dance um, after, you know, during the games or whatever. And 11th grade, it was, I, I don't want to say a serious relationship, but 11th, no, 12th grade, I'm sorry. 12th grade, I started dating this guy and he, you know, would come over to my house. I wasn't comfortable, like, going anywhere with him either. And I know it's probably, it probably seemed weird, like, okay, I came to take you out. No, let's not go out. I don't want to go out. I don't know why I was so uncomfortable, but I was just so uncomfortable. Even though I was trying to, like, force myself out of my shell, because I wanted normalcy so bad. I wanted to be normal. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be just like everybody else. And now I'm so glad that that never happened. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, my God. So you're dating this guy. I mean, so during the high school experience, 
you know, what is your relationship with the opposite sex? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, of course, you know, I, I, I like little boys. Hey, you cute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I was never, um, I guess if, if you had to go, if you had to say promiscuous or prude, I was more of a prude. <laughs> I was, I was approved. I would hear my friends tell stories about, oh, you know, I did this with him. And I'm just like, mm, you're nasty. <laughs> like, I, I was never in a rush for sex or anything like that because I did not have great experiences. I felt like it was something that, huh. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Mm -mm. So, so you were kind of closed off in high school so there was no partying no drinking no 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 i went i uh, in high school i was on the dance team i was on the step team and i wrote for the newspaper but as far as like going to parties and no i didn't do that i went to the, the games but i didn't i wasn't mm -mm, no <laughs> i'm not a partier a drinker well no i was drinking but i was drinking since i was 12 so yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about that now at 12 girl where was you getting liquor from and like were you getting <laughs> so every weekend every weekend there was a barbecue at my grandparents house and there was always liquor everywhere and everybody was always drunk and I was always drunk too and I would even drink in school Oh my God. So <laughs> we just skipped over that little part. Okay. So how long yeah, were you I was drinking, my love? Oh, I started at twelve. I still drink today. <laughs> okay, so was it a it was it an a uh, abusive relationship with the alcohol at that age? Now that yes. you're an adult looking back? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have an 11 year old. I wish she would. I wish she would sniff my wine. <laughs> I was drinking Hennessy, okay? Vodka, Crown Royal. <laughs> and so your little quiet self was getting drunk and just like chilling. Nobody out thought about it. Nobody said, nobody thought twice because she quiet anyway. She chilling. <laughs> but yeah. I, it was definitely an abusive relationship with alcohol. And so when do you feel like the abuse stopped with the alcohol? Uh, <laughs> I would say when I became a mother. Because after high school, I went straight to the military, to oh, the Marine wow. Corps. And Marines drink. And I was drinking. <laughs> So what made you want to go to the the Marine Corps? It was a dare. I didn't really want to go. My friends dared me, and I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> it was a dare. I had four full-ride scholarships that I walked away from. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. But, <laughs> You're okay. so I'm never lost for words. But look, that, well, wait, wait, wait. Uh, aside from it just being a dare also my brother went to because he's a year older than me so we were always in school together but he went to um my sister went to the air force first and then my brother graduated and he went to the army 
And I went and I saw him at his graduation from um, boot camp or basic training, whatever they call it. I think it's basic training. And he had money, he had a job, and he was not at home. So I said, hmm, I want money. I want a job. And I don't want to be here. Sign me up, coach. I would I could I could leave for the military before I could have left for college and I was ready to go. I understand. And but so yeah. how long were you in the military? I did a year. And then I realized my ass didn't have no business being in nobody's military and it was time to go. And so what happened after that? <laughs> after the military? Yeah. After yeah. the military, I met my husband. <sighs> And baby, <laughs> all that unhealed trauma, everything that I had that was unresolved came to the surface in my marriage. And I feel like if I would have maybe explored more people, I could have learned more lessons from different people, but because I I met him at 18. We got married um, when I was 19. I'm sorry, we got married. I was 20. I had just turned 20. And um, yeah, I had a lot of growing. He had a lot of growing. It was it was not a good situation. It was a very toxic relationship to start, especially because I did grow up. Um, we kind of brushed over that part, but I did grow up seeing my father be abusive to his wife when he got married. And it's kind of like, I married my father. And it was like, part of me was like, well, is this how it's supposed to be? And then a part of me was like, fuck that, hell no. You know, that's not how it's supposed to be. But yeah, um, we did a lot of growing. He did a lot of growing. Like I said, I was 20, he was 22. And now we are here almost 13 years later, completely rediscovered people. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay, that's, that's a lot. So, <laughs> you know, I really want to talk about the feelings and the mental state because you know, this is super crucial um, in these in these time frames in your life. So you have a father that's kind of in and out. And mm-hmm. how did you have those experiences where you were able to witness abuse like that? Because he was in and out. But when I was in seventh grade, no, I wasn't in seventh grade. I was in ninth grade. Yeah, I was in ninth grade. My ninth grade year. He met this woman and they got married after, I think, a month of knowing each other. So she, they moved in into my grandparents' house. And I witnessed that abuse until they moved out. It was like, it was like WWE Smackdown blood dripping down the hallway like it was it was it was bad and no one told you guys to go to your room like this was just happening all in front of the children he took our room 
<laughs> go go to the living room. Oh, we still hear everything. Oh my And then God. it happened. It happened so often. It it kind of became normal. It was like they back there at it again. Yeah. So a lot of these things, I mean, because you're a child at this point, right? So these things were going on so long that you kind of felt like it was normal. Yes, and I really did not, yes. When I went to the military, I could not go home for um, Thanksgiving. And I spent Thanksgiving with with my friends who also couldn't go home because they they didn't give us leave and we went to golden corral i remember and i remember seeing other families there and i was like oh shit this is how families act it was new to me because i thought that was normal i thought fighting in the middle of the street my dad and his uh his his sister would would fight like this like everybody would fight <laughs> everybody fought all the time and it was kind of like oh dang people don't do that like my sister was telling me a story when she was in the military and she went to a barbecue with her friend and um it got dark and people started drinking and she was like well i guess it's time to go before they start fighting and her friend was like what nobody about to fight <laughs> but that's that's what we thought no. So, uh, were your were your grandparents? Um, did they have that kind of dysfunction in their relationship? I didn't hear you. I said, did your grandparents have that You're kind of? Dysfunction? Oh, really? Can you hear me now? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, my grandparents not at all. That's the weirdest thing. That's why I don't even understand how half of that family are descendants of my grandparents like they had a beautiful relationship beautiful relationship my grandfather brought my grandmother flowers every week cooked for her like they had a really healthy relationship but I feel like there's something that that has taken place that did take place in that family in that household before I don't know if it was before my time or if I just don't know about it because I don't know they crazy like I re- not and not I'm not just saying like they crazy I mean like there really had to be some undiagnosed mental issues going on in that family because everybody feels like if you're not drinking the Kool-Aid something's wrong with you I don't drink the Kool-Aid no more they don't talk to me anymore <laughs> It's like people, they never, con- they never tell people when they're wrong. Like I said, my siblings and I, we've always, we've always been treated like the redhead stepchildren of the family. My aunt put a knife out on my brother and, and tried to, tried to cut him. Like, it's just so many things. And then uh, there was another issue when I was, um, when I came home from the military, I went to, I went to my grandparents' house until I figured out what I was going to do. And um, my aunt had a new, my aunt lived there too then. And she had a a new husband or a new boyfriend. Maybe he was her boyfriend at that point. And I'm laying in bed one day in my bed with my door closed. He walks in my room and just pulls the covers off of me. I'm like, get your ass out of here. 
Then I'm walking downstairs one day. He grabs my hand and says, go take a shot. Go take a bath and think about me. It's time for me to go, right? <laughs> and this is the same aunt, you know, who has the same, the yep, yep, yep. Oh, my God. Yep. So this is, like, what she attracts. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, your grandparents, you talk about them, um, you know, being kind of, like, hard workers. So mm -hmm. could that have been that, like, basically, you know – their children were kind of in the house raising themselves <laughs> because they were working so much? I don't think that was it. I really feel like it was the opposite. I feel like they, they spoiled them so much. They spoon-fed them so much. They bailed them out every single time. They did too much for them that they didn't know how to stand on their own. Even to this day, like, even to this day, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. Okay. So now you're married and um, you and your husband, you know, because you guys are so young. So it's like you guys are really like reliving, <laughs> you know, your childhood patterns kind of through each other. <laughs> so how, how are we finding resolve? How did you guys start that process to realize, okay, this is toxic and we got issues. <laughs> like, how, how did we start the process of fixing um, these traumas that we keep putting on each other? Um, honestly, we knew that and did nothing about it for a, a long time, for years. It was just like, we toxic, but we love each other. So come here. <laughs> and then, you know, good sex will keep you where you don't need to be for uh, uh, longer than you need to be there, you know. But we did stay together and we did work it out. Um, I think the change was realizing that, I don't know, we just got tired. You know, you just get tired and it's like, all right, what we doing? <laughs> It was one of those conversations. What are we doing? And honestly, before we could get together, get on, on track ourselves, like as a couple, we both realized that because we did get together so young, I met him when I was 18. He was 20 years old. Because we got together so young, it's like we never really truly found our own independence. And we had, we had developed this toxic codependent relationship and I told him that I need time to get myself together and you need time to get yourself together so that we can come together and be the fucking best Charmaine and Jay Justin 2.0 you know yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. that's what we did and he gave me my time to do that and I gave him his time to do that so and how did you guys <clears throat> okay okay let me ask that so how did you guys Separate. Did you guys actually separate? From no, mm -mm. we didn't separate. It was just like our focus changed. We didn't separate, but it was the dynamics of our relationship went from, oh, we married, just going through the motions to no, let's really fucking have a meaningful quality relationship. And so but we, we, I'm sorry. But no, we, we didn't we didn't separate. It was just I see you doing it's like 
it's like things had to change. We can't, we couldn't keep doing the same normal thing, like where he might have, have come home and just played the game all day. He did something different. Or where I might have always been up under him or wanted to be up under him, I went to do my own thing to discover what I actually like without you, you know? So to bring it back to the beginning, um, because a lot of women, especially in our culture, um, it's, you know, I'm gonna just put the shit out here, <laughs> okay? Um, a lot of times, in black families, um, these situations go on with inappropriate behavior between children and, and adults. And, you know, for the woman, it's like the whole sexual thing is like, it's either too much or it's like, ah, I don't want it. You know what I mean? So where were you at? In, in regards to that, when you were with your husband in the beginning? Mm-mm. He fine. I wanted it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted it. He wanted it. We wanted it. That's the thing. The sexual chemistry has always been at, at 10,000.29,000, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, that was... I don't know. Like, I really feel like he is my true twin flame <laughs> and um I don't know I just feel so I really feel so connected to him and even when we first met I felt I felt that way mm-hmm. so like I didn't even have that kind of like from high school when I, I just I'm not comfortable even going anywhere with you with him it was just like ah! <laughs> yes so you were yeah. dazzled So if you don't mind going into it a little bit, then what was the toxicity then when you guys first got together? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, Well, there was infidelity. That was the the first thing. And um, verbal abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, Yeah, it was... The sex was good. I'll say that much. <laughs> but everything else was like, why are we together? <laughs> but okay. um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was all those things. Okay. So then we fast forward a little bit. You guys are tired. Okay. You're mm-hmm. emotionally drained. You're fucking tired. you like, something has got to change. So you start doing your own thing and he starts doing his own thing and like, you know, day by day, you guys are building as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens, what's what's going on now in this process? You mean like today? No, I mean at, at that, that time. Yeah, because, you know, there's a, you know, in our culture, there's a lot of this going on, you know, where... Um, the beginning of these relationships are super toxic. There's a lot of abuse. And of course, the answer from the outside, people who are looking at the situation is leave, run. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it is that toxic and someone can lose their life because this is that toxic, you know? And then you as a woman, um, with the infidelity and your relationship with men, period, 
how are you how are you healing like how are you even able to start the process of moving forward so I would say everything kind of really um clicked for me after I had my twins um, about three years ago oh three years ago okay yeah yeah, three years ago. Uh, things really clicked for me then. That's when I did start my spiritual journey because I felt so, I just felt like, I felt like my soul and what I was doing was in battle. And it was like, you got to do something different or life is going to be miserable for you. This had nothing to do with him. I couldn't look at him and say, I'm mad because of you. No, it had nothing to do with him at that point. You know, um, I really feel like even beyond us coming together as a couple or beyond anybody coming together as a couple, you gotta, you gotta be right within yourself and you have to, you have to be okay being by yourself before you are okay in a relationship or with somebody else. And that was my main focus. It was like, I, I have to do something different regardless of what he does. And honestly, by me starting my spiritual journey, it could have went one or two ways. Either you gonna leave cause you ain't gonna like the new me or the, the me that I've discovered or you're going to take heed and it's going to inspire you. And that's what it did. It inspired him to work on himself to do better. So we're here now. We vibe. <laughs> so how did this, how did this journey start with spirituality? Like, did you know, like, maybe I need to find spirituality? No. Uh, no, uh-uh, not at all. Um, I, it happened really, um, I'll say a seed was planted when I was 25 because I remember on my 25th birthday, I looked at my husband and I said, um, <laughs> I said, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm a Christian anymore. <laughs> and he was like, uh, okay, you know, this can either bring us closer or, um, make us drift apart. And I was like, yeah, I'm aware of that. But honestly, this is what I know and what I feel is right. Like, it was just something nagging at me, nagging at me. And when I told my family, of course, when I told my family, of course, they were like, um, oh, well, something's going to be wrong with your children. <laughs> We're going to pray for you. I don't know who to raise you like that, ABC, blah, blah, blah. So that part right there already, like I said, I've already felt like I, I was the black sheep anyway. So that right there just made me feel like, well, they gonna like me. They didn't like me when I was done with they, what they wanted me to do. Now that I'm expressing how I really want to feel, how I'm feeling and what's really resonated with me, they don't like that. I might as well do what I want to do anyway. So I gave myself the okay to kind of go in and delve into that. And then once I did that, opportunities kind of, start falling kind of in my lap because I wanted I started being interested in um in herbs and it happened because I was outside and I was literally looking at a plant that was sprouting out the out the ground and I was like I wonder what kind of I wonder what kind of flower that is what kind of herb that is 
and um I looked I looked it up on my phone and it was like that's all I was doing. It's like that was all I was doing all of a sudden looking up herbs. So I went to my local herb shop, right? <laughs> and I was just going to pick something up and the owner the owner really liked the way I looked and he asked me to model for their website the model for the website that he was putting together but nothing really ever came of that but he did call me back a few days later and offered me an assistant position so I kind of manifested that and didn't know what manifesting was and through being in that herb shop I learned so much pause you for a quick second so okay when you started, you said that, you know, you went to your husband and was like, I don't think I'm a Christian anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where, where did that come from? Where did that epiphany come I'm, from? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, my, my soul was literally having a battle with who I was being. And it felt like every day was hard to get up because I don't know who I am. I didn't feel right. Like it just did not resonate with me. What and I feel like you, were you actually practicing? Like were you reading the Bible? Were oh, you- I was in I was in Bible study every Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now we're we're at the we've met the guy with the herbs. You're modeling, and then you're assisting. So what happens now? Um, and I, I it's just like the people. First, the vibe in there was amazing, and the people. The people that I encountered while I was there, they helped me. Like, it was impossible not to learn something from everybody. That's where I learned about, like, meditation and crystals. And it's like my eyes were open to something that I had never known about. And once I went down the rabbit hole, here I am three years later doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so when did you write your book? Because you do have a book out. Yes, I do. Hey, Little Black Girl. For the Unhealed Little Black Girl and You. I wrote that last year. Uh, I published it in August. And so this, tell us what the book is about. Oh, it's about me. <laughs> it's about, it's really about yeah. the dark my darkest times and how regardless of what you go through regardless of how unfair you feel life is regardless of what life throws at you at you like you don't have to stop there that doesn't have to be the end of your story and you have the pen in your hand it's your life to live your story to write and it's irresponsible to give, okay, it's irresponsible to, to put your life in somebody else's hands. So yeah, my, my book is basically about what we just discussed and how how you even just stopping to ask the little girl, how are you? If you're okay, hey little black girl, how that can really help influence and change the dynamics of a person's life. Because if one person would have grabbed me by the hand and said, are you okay? <sighs> Who knows, you know? 
who knows what difference that would have made in my life at that time. Cause it felt like no, nobody cared. Nobody cared enough to stop and say, Hey, to notice me, to see me. And I just want to inspire other people to, yeah. to take the time to stop and notice other people, other little black girls who may be going through the same things or even some of the things that are in the book that some people can relate to because I've spoken about um, one suicide attempt, but I've actually had three suicide attempts. Like some of the things in that book that people, people can feel like, oh, I'm not alone or, oh, I wasn't crazy or, oh, this didn't just happen to me, you know? I just want oh, to yeah. inspire somebody somewhere to heal and to let them know that they can heal. You are not broken. You are as whole as you will ever need to be. You just have to rediscover that. So let us know what you got going on okay. now. So you went down the, so that herbal shot basically led you to so many other things as far as spirituality is concerned. So yes. take us from there to what you're practicing now what you're giving to the masses as a result so now um <laughs> i have really been working on developing my own spiritual gifts and on that journey i did discover that a i'm a channeler and i did not realize it but once i discovered it it made so much sense to me how I can sit down and write for hours and not even know what I'm writing. But when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, I wrote that, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I do I do freelance writing. I also am an Pause energy- right there. Pause right there. When you say channeler for people who are not knowledgeable, you know, um, with a lot of these spiritual terms, what does that mean? Okay. Um, I connect to spirit and they kind of use me as a a conduit, I, if, if so to say, yeah. And that that that's also how I do my um, energy healing sessions as well. The same way I will connect when I write, and I also host meditations um, locally in in the Metro Atlanta area. Um, and I also have a healing product line it's called the high vibe killer where i offer um energetically char energetically frequency and intention charged um products to aid you along your healing like bath salts um chakra oils intention oils i have a whole um self-healing kit that is amazing it comes with the high vibe spray crystals um that correspond to each chakra i threw a few extras in as well as the bath salts to you know keep your aura cleanse keep your energy clean because at this point i feel like a lot of people are just on autopilot and of course i'm a healing coach a lot of people are on autopilot and it's like they don't take action in their own lives they're just kind of going with the flow living life without purpose and my motto is to live life on purpose with purpose mm -hmm. because just going with the flow that will have you feeling like this can't be all i was born to do and it's not all you were born to do you have a purpose 
And I feel like it is my, one of my missions to help people discover that purpose through healing. Okay. So let's, let's backtrack a little bit. <laughs> so um, we're going to go on a whole little journey right here. So with the channeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is important because there are so many people who are spiritually ignorant. Mm-hmm. And religion plays a very dominating factor in our culture. Okay. <clears throat> so explain how you knew that you were being channeled like what do you mean like were you just chilling one day and and you recorded yourself and you were one person the next minute and one person the next like how do we know you don't have split personalities child how do we know that you ain't well they said i did child. <laughs> but um okay so I'll be honest, I've always been different. I'll say different. When I was a child, like my brother, he he loved he loves to tell this story every time we're together. You remember that time? Cause we lived next next to a graveyard. We used to play in the graveyard. You remember that time you was trying to raise the dead? <laughs> And I would literally just, like, take a walk in the graveyard. I've always felt connected to spirit. And seeing my mother's spirit as a child, it was like, it it didn't really freak me out. I didn't think anything was wrong with it until other people were like, what? (laughs) You know, then I was like, oh, John, I must be tripping. But um, how I knew... Y'all ain't gonna believe it if I say it. <laughs> say it because there are people that are having these experiences and they're too scared to say anything. You know what I'm saying? So we want to reach people too that are super. Their their perception is a little bit narrow. <laughs> okay. The, the the first thing that happened to me, and I remember when it first happened, I was in a group on Facebook and I wrote, and I was like, "What does this mean, y'all?" Okay, so I was journaling because I've I've always, 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 always kept a journal, always, always. But I was journaling and I looked down and it wasn't my handwriting, so I was like. <laughs> you know and then I looked more into it uh, I started researching more and I do talk to my own spiritual advisor so I was telling her about it and she kind of confirmed that that's what it was she said it before but I really kind of just brushed it off but once that happened and then she confirmed it I was like oh that's what be happening <laughs> So are you, are you yourself from your consciousness? Are, are you aware? You know what I'm saying? So like Mm -hmm. you're writing and as this going, as this is going on, are you consciously aware of what's going on or is it Um, like a blackout moment? I'm consciously aware that I'm writing, but I'm not, I don't know what, what I'm writing. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I know I sat down to write, but once I sit down to write, if I set my intention, like if I'm, if I'm trying to do channel writing, there's kind of a ritual that I do beforehand. So I know that that's what this is now. And so before, um, 
you know, were you like into meditation? Were you like, um, so, you know, when the channeling was going on before you were, um, meditating. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So you would say you were kind of in like a meditative, meditative, you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Meditative state. In a meditative Um, state. Yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yes. it's like, because, it, it, you know, it's like, how is how is that possible? It's like, now that you are aware, you know what I mean? And you know how to Well, get you know, attention. honestly, honestly, because from, from, even from then to where I am now, it has grown and it has progressed. And I'm able to almost on demand do what kind of happened, you know, I really didn't have kind of control over it then. I wasn't purposely trying to do that. But now if I'm if I wanted to right now, I know how to raise my vibration and connect to spirit so that I can do whatever it is that I need to do. Okay. okay. Yeah. So now give us a um <clears throat> cuz I know this is such a, a broad subject, you know, but kind of give us your cliff notes on what do you mean when you say that you sell objects or items, you know, for healing that are energetically charged and that are supposed to do stuff with your frequency? Like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you asked. (laughs) Well, you know, everything is energy. You, me, the flowers, the trees, the plants, the oils, the birds, we're all, everything is energy and everything is connected. Even your thoughts are, your thoughts are energy, your thoughts um, are connected. What I do with my products, um, I know you probably have seen people sell like protection oils or, you know, and what that is for me personally, I don't know how they do theirs. But what I do is the same way that I um, do an energy healing session, I pull this, I do that same energy healing on my products. And after that, I tune into the frequency of the heart chakra and I infuse all my products with that frequency, whether it's in the sound bowl or whether I'm just playing the music. So that energy is being transferred into whatever product that I, whatever product it is that I'm making. And of course I set my intention for these products to heal after I've done the healing session on the product and I put them in the energy bowl. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the hit the sound bowl and I set my intention for this to heal. So those are my products. So, you know, I'm trying to come from a perspective of someone that's just like, what the hell is she talking about? (laughs) I just put all this good energy. I just transfer all this good energy, this this universal energy from the healing energy session. I just transfer all of this healing energy into this other energetic item for you to use and transfer that same healing energy into your energetic field. And so how are you doing that? Like, are you just focusing really hard? Um, you know, do you have to meditate on it? Like, how, how are we transferring energy just through thought? 
Oh, you we you and I we're transferring energy right now as we're communicating together. Mm -hmm. And so, how are you doing that with the objects? Like, is it a, a meditative thing? No, like, I I I channel the energy the same way I channel when I write. I raise my vibration. I connect to spirit. I connect to source, and I channel the energy through me into the products. And how do you raise your vibration? Uh, it it takes. It takes a minute to actually get to a place because to be able to be at the frequency, to vibrate at the frequency that I, I am in now, A, I had to do a lot of a lot of healing. I had to do a lot of chakra work. I had to actually connect and work with my spirit team on a regular basis. So, yeah. Okay. And how, so like we're talking about energy. So how is it, because people want to know how to heal, right? Mm -hmm. so, so what do you mean? Okay, so give us an example. So you're meeting with your spirit advisors. What are they advising you on? You know, um, these are my spirit guides and my angels oh, and my ancestors. Not, yeah. And so what is this kind of, what is an example of this process? Honestly, it's not something that can be explained. It's something that has to be experienced. It's like me trying to explain how it feels to meditate. You know, it's, it's going to be your own experience. My experience with my spirit team could be completely different from somebody else's experience with their spirit team based on how often they work with them, based on um, how they do receive messages. You know, I, I, when I'm meditating, I have, like, I see with my mind's eye what it is supposed to be. Or I might hear something, the message that's coming to me. Or it might, like, I can't really explain it. And then the way that they give me the confirmation, like, the way that my angels, guides, and ancestors work with me could be different from how somebody else's does. Like, for me personally, um... I like to call them spiritual hugs, <laughs> but I, I literally can feel, it feels like an invisible hug, but it's like really cold <laughs> yes. and that might not make sense to anybody, but it makes sense because I know that that's how they confirm things for me. If it, if they don't show me a, a picture in my mind's eye. Okay. So if you were working with someone that is just like, you know, they come to you, they're like, coach. <laughs> look I want to heal and um I just I don't freaking know where to begin I know that I have spirit guides you know I know that I have guides like how do I start to tap in what am I supposed to be doing help me I would tell them a I forgot the question. Oh. <laughs> we had a technical difficulty right there. So, look, they're trying to stop this message, baby. We, we're going to get it out there, okay? So it, I'm coming to you. You're my coach. And I'm like, yo, I need to heal. I've had so much trauma. I just know it's time. I don't know how. I know... Um, people keep telling me about these spirit guides and my ancestors. I feel it, but what what is my first step to start this process? 
to start this process to healing. Okay, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. As far as the spirit guides and, and things of that nature, I, I don't know if it's because it's trending or whatever it is now, but everybody just wants to jump into the spirituality of everything. And and they think, well, oh, if I get this, well, this this is going to heal me. Before we even get started on the spirituality aspect of anything, we need to get down to you and what's going on with you. What are the things that you're wanting to change? What are the things that you're feeling like you need to heal from? We're going to focus on you first. And then we'll figure out, you know, we'll incorporate those other healing modalities. But the first things first is figuring out what it is that you feel like you need to heal and why you feel like you have not been able to move on from these things. And the first question that I would ask is, what are your triggers? That's the best place to start your healing journey. Because your triggers are literally telling you, hey, right here, you're not over me yet. So that's what I would say. Wow. Okay. 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 So we have, um, so you're a coach and we have, uh, your healing objects, right? And then you were saying also people, <laughs> I'm sorry. Also people say that again, people, energy healing on people. Right. So, um, explain, so that's what we hadn't tapped into. So explain to me what this like Reiki thing is and working with people's, I think you were saying working with people's chakras and stuff like that. Explain that. Okay. So Reiki is, um, of course, universal life force energy and, when you perform Reiki, you are channeling that universal life force energy through you 10 times out of 10 through your hands, and you're transferring that energy that you have channeled to the person um, to heal their chakras, to remove... Um... Okay, so I'm personally moving away from Reiki. While I am a, a Reiki master practitioner, what I'm doing now is kind of moving away from Reiki because some of the things that I like to incorporate during a session aren't traditional Reiki incorporations. So, <laughs> but that is what Reiki is. Personally, I'm moving more towards working directly with my guides, your healing guides, and also channeling energy but the guide part of it is not necessarily a part of reiki traditional reiki right okay which is why i say energy healing <laughs> okay okay so so we're moving through that and so what's next what do we got going on next what well, I just launched my podcast. It is called um, Grow and Glow with Charmaine. It is available everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor, Podcasts you never heard of. It's everywhere. <laughs> and now I just want to grow, grow as a healer. I want to continue to grow as um, a coach continue to help people heal, continue, 
it just feels like so amazing to me when somebody somebody tells me I helped change their life and I'm like what me <laughs> you know it's like wow that makes me feel like I am living my life on purpose with purpose so everything that I do have going on the high vibe healing products um, the energy healing, the coaching sessions, the podcast. I just want this to continue to grow and glow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So just a, a really quick question. So, And I, I'm sorry. And I will be writing a few more books. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before we get there, do you have a website or where is it that people can get um, your products? Um, CharmaineSettles.com and shophighvibepillar.com. Nice. Yeah. So would you say, so what would you tell, you know, that 11-year-old girl now, looking back on that, knowing how she feels, knowing what she's been through, what would you tell her? What would I tell her? Everything is going to work out. You are not going through these things in vain. And I say that because now as a 30-year-old woman who shows gratitude for everything, I am grateful for everything that happened to me. Because if it did not happen, I would not be who I am. I would not have the story that I have. I could not help lead other people out of their darkness if I did not go through my own darkness. So, yes, everything works out in the end, little black girl. <laughs> and so, I mean, what what words do you deliver for the emotional side of it? Because... I can hear that it's going to be okay all day long, but right That's what now, I would tell myself, though. That's, yeah. what I would, that's, that's exactly what I would tell me. Yeah, so what do you say to the emotional side of her? You know what I'm saying? Because unfortunately... I, I don't say anything. I let what happens happen. Mm. Yeah, I let, I let what happens happen. Because every single thing that happened happen for a purpose mm. so what will we be saying to another little girl who's watching this and who's saying like I mean because we it's just a fact we live in a society where everybody wants the results I want to feel better now <laughs> you know what I'm saying it doesn't work like that it doesn't it, it does not work that way you have to put in the work. You have to want to heal. You have to take the steps. You have to start. You have to admit that you're hurting in order to heal. You have to feel your emotions. That's why I wouldn't, I would, I would, of course, you have to give uplifting things and messages, but you can't take anybody's pain away for them. That's something that they have to choose for themselves. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. She That's just, what, I would hope that this would inspire the adults around her to check in on her. That's not something for her to fix. 
that's something for the adults around her to become aware of, to guide her. That's the purpose. It's not for me to tell 11-year-old you this. It's for the grown-ups around you. The pe Even if it's not the grown-ups around you, the women in the community, the elders, it is for them to step in and say, hey, little black girl, I see you. Are you okay? How can I help you? What can I do for you? How can I be of service to you? That's what it's for. But yeah, no Thank problem. <laughs> no, because this, these, I mean, this is life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's why I, I, I know it's life. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and it's raw, you know? And, and so like, we want to put band-aids on things and, you know, you want to put a band-aid on a broken leg. It doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't work. And so, um, I appreciate you saying that because we are always looking for, you know, instant gratification yeah. and, I think that is so important to tell people to stop suppressing the emotion. Feel the emotion. You're angry. You're hurt. You're yeah, upset. you have to feel it. You have to. You have to. You have to. I think that's, that's why a lot of people don't heal because they've convinced themselves that they have nothing to heal about. I'm so unbothered. That didn't phase me. When you're hurting, you are hurting. <laughs> It, you have to heal. You have to acknowledge the fact that you are hurting before you can heal. You have to. And, and, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be days where you say, fuck this, you know? Like, it's going to be days where you want to play the victim. But that is the worst thing that you can do. Do not play the victim. Stand in victory and be the victor. Like, it's, it's easy to, to go, woe is me, and this happened to me, and oh, that happened to me. So what do you do? You got to take charge of your life. If I, if I, I feel like I have lived a life where I could go through life and say, well, I don't have to do this because I experienced this, and this happened to me, and that happened to me, or I can pick myself up. And I can say that did happen to me, but that is, that does not have to be how my story ends. That does not have to be that doesn't have to be over my head for the rest of my life. I can do and be and accomplish so many things. Like, don't, don't let what happens to you be your crutch. Use that as fuel. Use that as motivation to be better. I didn't have a mother. I could say, well, I'm about to leave these kids because I turned out all right anyway. No, I use that to be the best mother. I hope I'm doing a good job. I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> to be the best mother that I can be. Like, you have choices. And a lot of people choose to wallow in what they've been through instead of making decisions to make their lives better. You don't have to just roll with the punches. Your life does not have to look like, look how it has always looked. You can recreate yourself. Always be on the path to rediscover yourself. I might do a billion different things until 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 it feels right to me. And I feel like that's a part of the growth process, trying things out, figuring out what resonates, figuring out, mm, no, I don't like that. That's a part of growing. And you have to decide that you want to grow. You have to decide that you don't want to stay stagnant. You have to decide that whatever you've been through in the past is not how you want your future to look. And then 
take action to change that. Yes. <laughs> I love it. 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 I love it because you speak like a coach. <laughs> you know, and as America's favorite life coach, I know. Like, yes, this is exactly the exchange that I wanted us to have. I am so very thankful for you coming and being on our show and just being an example of a thriver, of a person that is constantly wanting and is evolving and changing and learning. Like this is what this life is about, is experiencing, living and learning. And so many of us are not doing that. I love the way you said earlier, that um i don't think we were recording but you were just saying how people are on like autopilot like we're literally like those zombie movies (laughs) that they you know that are so popular right now you know Mm -hmm. and then we're on top of that we're suppressing emotions and we're taking our traumas and our what they call bad experiences or dark experiences and we're just dumping them and we're not releasing them. I like to give yep. the example, like it's like buying new furniture, right? When you buy the new furniture, you freaking get rid of the old furniture. <laughs> you don't have your new furniture in there with the old furniture. Right. You just, you know, cluttered all the hell right. around. That's that's chaos. <laughs> so it's yep. like you have to do the same thing, you know, with with your with your emotional states or the things that you're having problems moving on from you have to release them and get them out so that you can integrate you know or put inside of you this healing so oh my gosh thank you so much for that and you know what another popular question okay um and i have to ask this because you are very sensitive spirit um how is it how is it that, as especially as a healer, you know, where you're dealing with people that have been through a lot, you know what I'm saying, and helping them through that process, how do you keep your vibration high? Like, how do you not feel the dismay, you know, or their pain, you know? Well, um, I am an empath, and I have been for a, lo- a very long time, and I did not know that. I had, like, maybe over 200 anxiety attacks as a child and I didn't know what being an empath was no one around me knew what the hell that meant but now as an adult I I see it in my son and I'm like dang I used to do that I used to be like that but now I do feel you know feel some people's energy but if I know that I'm going to be doing energy work I definitely protect myself. I do um, grounding and shielding meditations and visualizations as well. And they work for me. I also wear a lot of um, protective crystals. And of course, I smudge a lot (laughs) to keep my space clear and to keep my vibrations up. Sometimes even if my husband comes home from like a, a hard day at work or a bad day at work, I visualize myself in my white bubble of light and he cannot penetrate because I'm good over here. And whatever you have going on is not going to rub off on me for a long time. I was not able to do that. I will pick up on his energy really, really fast, but I've learned how to protect 
protect myself from picking up everybody's energy. Mm. But it is a thing that 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 you consciously have to do. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yes. Because I get asked that question a lot. You know, as a coach, it's just like, how do you, this girl just told you X, Y, Z, and she's balling over here, and you just have a straight face. And, and another thing, I don't, I, I've learned not to attach emotion to everything. I'm able to observe. I'm able to observe without attaching emotion. And I can, I can do that and still be sympathetic at the same time. It took a lot of practice because at first when I uh, didn't attach emotion, it kind of came off as cold hearted. But once I learned balance, it's like, okay, I don't have to absorb that. I don't have to take that on as my own issue or as my own energy. And I can still help help her with that. Right. I call it healthy detachment. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I do. I have empathy for you and I have all the compassion. But if I lower my vibration down Mm -hmm. to where you at, how am I going to be able to help you? (laughs) Right, 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 right. (laughs) So when I do get, you know, a little bit too emotionally connected to their trauma, that's what I'm telling myself, like April, step out of that. Like I'm not getting that emotionally connected to your trauma. Right. (laughs) I feel like that's that's spiritually irresponsible. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, good. We got out a lot of good information here. Again, I am so thankful for you coming on the show. So thank you for having for me. Expressing yourself and um just telling us your story. No problem. No problem at all. Anytime. <laughs> So again, you guys, thank everybody for tuning in. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of You Thrive Every Day, where we're showing how thrivers thrive. We will see you guys again. I promise the next episode is going to be great because they all are. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are loved. Would you like to say anything before we jet up out of here, Sean? Um, Thank you for allowing me to come on your show thank you for allowing me to speak my truth and don't forget to shop <laughs> charmainesettles.com um my book is hey little black girl for the unhealed little black girl in you it is available on charmainesettles.com as well as amazon.com and visit shop high vibe pillar for all of your healing needs bam yes <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. So we're out. Enjoy your days. Have a miraculous day. We love you. Peace out.